You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, men, you're ready to wear your stretchy pants today as we worship and learn to be uh, the kind of men that God desires to be. And, you know, throughout this series entitled Man Cave, we're grateful for our ladies because we've encouraged you to take what we call the pen challenge. And remember the pen challenge, ladies, as the P stands for pray, that uh, is pray for your men during the series, and the E stands for encourage uh, your men during the series. And then the, the N is the part where there may be a little bit of a rub there, uh, but we've asked the ladies not to nag at all, like no nagging during the whole series of man cave. And ladies, if you upset with me, like threatening you with like camel fleas nesting on your armpits and all that, uh, then hold on for next week because next week we're going to show our men uh, how we're as men of God are to empower women. So make sure and drag your hunk of man back for that one uh, next week. And you can say, hear me roar, roar. you know, so uh, the ladies will be excited about next week. But to, uh, we've said during this series, we want to be a man beyond what? Machismo, right? Uh, we want to be up beyond machismo. And one of the guys that is certainly an example of that in history is Neil Armstrong. Some of you remember Neil Armstrong in July the 20th, 1969, the first man to walk on the moon. And he took a step out onto the moon. And he said these words, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And when I saw that quote, I thought that is so appropriate, so biblical, so applicable to our lives, whether you're a man or a woman. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And the big idea I want to submit to you today, and I want you to think through and apply today, is simply this. Take one small step, just one small step, because here's what happens is that when you take one small step in faith in your future, it creates a giant leap forward that's beyond what you can dream. And what machismo says is you need to take a flying leap right now. Isn't that what Satan asked Jesus to do off the top of the temple when he tempted him in the wilderness? He said, take a leap. But typically, most of the time, God asks us only to take a step of faith. One small step not these flying leaps. And machismo says, you got to take a blind leap. Now, one of the reasons that we've asked for your help, ladies, is because uh, we know that a lot of ladies have not understood that men are wired wild. And that's created a problem. But you got to understand, men ultimately are wired wild on the inside. Um, that's why those books, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, um, uh, have sold like crazy because he's awakened something in men that God has placed inside of them, that wild part of them. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, just being wild and partying their lives away or not fulfilling their responsibilities or uh, being irresponsible or anything like that. But there's a certain level of risk that every man needs to fulfill in his life. So if you look at white water, this picture of white water on the screen behind me, um, white water is beautiful and wild, isn't it? And if you look in the Bible, the picture of walking in the spirit is of living water, Living water, you know what that means? The water is moving. And men need to be moving in certain levels of risk, see? And white water is beautiful, except when you gather it in a glass and contain it 
If you look at the picture of the glass of water on screen, you can see uh, that that water is dull and boring. It even changed the way it looks. And here's what a lot of ladies do. I've noticed this with a lot of moms with their sons is they try and contain his wild in an effort to get him to be responsible. And that's not what we want to do. Because if you find yourself scooping up the wild of your son or your husband or your brother in a glass, you will end up at war. Every man will find a war. Every man will find some type of a fight. Every man will find some type of wild in their lives. Look at this ad from back in uh, 1860 in a California newspaper. Wanted young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert writers willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred. And this ad attracted men from 11 to 45 years old to the Pony Express because men have a certain level of wild on the inside. See? So ladies, don't end up at war with your sons and your husbands. But one of the things that we're going to see from the scriptures today is that faith calls us to a new home. When you step out in faith, it will call you to a new place to call home. And I think back to about 25 years ago when I was asked by some friends of mine to come down here to San Antonio and start the first city church over on Bandera Road. And you got to remember back then, there was no church building. There was no nothing. And we would have to leave our states, Jeannie and I, where we grew up, and come down here and leave our families, uh, our parents. And when, you know, we thought to ourselves, man, when we have kids, there's not going to be any of that free family babysitting. And plus, I didn't have a way to make a living down here. And we we're going to come down here and start a church and find a new home. And I'm like, God, dude, I need a word from you, okay? I, I need to know if I can really do this, if you really are asking me to do it. And I got a word from God in Hebrews. And I want to take you to chapter 11, verse 8. Where And these words just leaped off the page at me into my heart. It said, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave what? Home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And there are times where God will ask you, prompt you by his spirit to step out, take a step to a new inheritance. Now, all these years later, Jeannie and I would say, thank God he sent us to San Antonio. We have a great spiritual family here and two churches have now been planted and we love being here and we we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And it doesn't seem, you know, so crazy now that we're sitting here in all that God has blessed us with. But some of you are being called of God, prompted by a spirit to a new place in your life, a new home. For some of you, you're trying to buy real estate. You want to buy a literal new home. I want all of you to own your own home someday. I've got a story about that myself. I'll save it for next month and a little talk I'm going to give. But some of you are being called to a new job and it requires a step. You know what the enemy will try and get you to do? Take a leap. God doesn't always want you to leave your current job to get the new job. He just wants you to take a step. You fill out your LinkedIn profile. You uh, create a resume. You take a step in faith, see, Uh, as you pray and ask God for his help. Some of you are being called to a new home in relationship because ladies, you're living with some guy and you're not married to that guy and he's verbally abusive towards you and sometimes he gets a little rough. 
You leave that sucker behind. Leave that home. Go to a new home. See, God's calling you to a new place. Some of you are being called to a new place of generosity in your life. That is, he has needs that he wants to meet in other people's lives, and your generosity will meet that need. That's what a lot of people across our spiritual family here at City Church downtown did in the Restore campaign that we're still in. Restore, in case you're new, is the funding vehicle that we've used to renovate the theater here. And we're still working on our properties here to renovate. This past week, we completed the flooring next door in the stairs and the second floor of Kid City. We're hoping to raise the resources to be able to complete the flooring on the third floor and also renovate the video cafe next door so that we can begin using that. Um, And if you'd like to learn more information about that, there are packets in the lobby. But do you know why people have been motivated to step out in faith? Because I know people that have said, hey, look, Doug, God just put this number on our hearts to give towards Restore, and I don't know where it's going to come from. But by faith, I'm going to take a step and make that commitment. And you know why they're motivated to do that? It's all about home. They know that people need a church home. They know that even more than that, a church, more than just a church home, that church home is important because it helps people get their eternal home in heaven because they know the words of Jesus where Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. And Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be your eternal home. And so I'm so grateful for those of you that have invested in that way just take one small step towards it. But a second thing I want to show you about faith is that faith calls you to authority. Faith calls you to, uh, with authority. Now we have this military uniform here and no doubt if you live in San Antonio, you're either in the military or you know someone in the military. And I'm such a civilian, man, I, I don't understand anything military, man. It's like foreign to me. Like these stripes on here, I don't know if that's like like stormtrooper level, you know, on Star Wars or like the Supreme Chancellor. I have no idea, but I do remember this. The first time that I ever went to a military base to visit, visit a friend and go to lunch with him, it's like, Uh, when we walked around the base, everyone who outranked my friend, he's like having to salute him. And those of you that have been in the military, you know that there is a clear-cut authority structure. And when an order is given, people better be for fulfilling that order. It has to happen. And I think that's part of what Jesus was uh, touching on when he talks about faith in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Look at this story of the army office there officer there. It says, when Jesus was going into the town of Capernaum, an army officer came up to him and said, Lord, my servant is at home in such terrible pain that he can't even move. I will go and heal him, Jesus replied. But the army officer said, Lord, I'm not good enough for you to come into my house. Just give the order and my servant will get well. I have officers who give orders to me and I have soldiers who take orders from me. I can say to one of them, go, and he goes. I can say to another one, come, and he comes. I can say to my servant, do this, and he will do it. When Jesus heard this, he was so surprised that he turned and said to the crowd following him, I tell you that in all Israel, I've never found anyone with this much faith. Then Jesus said to the officer, you may go home now. Your faith has made it happen. And right then, his servant was healed. See? 
And you know partly why Jesus was so impressed with this army officer and his faith? Because this guy knew his own rank, didn't he? He knew his rank. He knew that he had people who report to him, but he also understood there's one that outranks everyone, and that is God. He understood the authority of God, and he also understood that God at any time can just give the order. And look, when Jesus gives the order, it is money in the bank. It is going to happen when Jesus gives the order. You can count on it. And I know people across this room who have relied on Jesus and have worried about finances and wondering how they're going to pay a bill. And when Jesus gives the order, they're trusting God, seeking first his kingdom. He gives the order and God provides. We've seen people literally and physically healed because Jesus gave the order. Look, some of you ladies throughout this man cave series, you've been praying that God will provide you with the right hunk of man. You know what I'm saying? You've been praying throughout the whole thing, but just ask Jesus this. Jesus, just give the order. And if it's in his will, if your desires are aligned with his desires, he can give the order and you're going to meet an awesome Christian man who's hot looking and has a job. You know what I'm saying? He can just give the order is uh, what he does. But check this out. Faith also calls you to where he is. Faith calls you to where he is. Now, that is the lesson of the boat. And that's what Jesus was touching on in Matthew 14, 28. Look at it. This, is, this story with me. He says, Lord, Peter says, Lord, uh, if it is you out there, command me to come to you on the water. Like, just give me the order to walk out there to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so if you can see, if you can picture in your mind, uh, Peter in the boat with the other disciples and Jesus is walking out there on the water and he wants to go to Jesus to be where Jesus is. And he says, come to me. And when he stepped out there, he started to sink, you know, um, Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. And I always thought that meant like, oh, your faith really sucks. I mean, your faith's not very good. Why did you doubt? But I don't think that's at all what Jesus is saying. Jesus is more like saying, hey, little faith like little one. Like some of you grew up in homes where your grandma and your mother uh, said to you, oh, mijo, mija, right? Little one, right? It's like he's saying, mija, come, mijo, step out of the boat. You can trust me. I remember looking out into the deep end of the water in the swimming pool in our neighborhood. And I was trying to learn to dive off the diving board and jump off. And my mother is hovering in the water there. And she's saying, little one, come. Just take a step off the diving board. I made the diving pose. It ends up being just a belly flop, you know, but she's calling to, and I remember, you can, it's going to be okay. It's the deep end. I'm a little scared of it. It's going to be okay. One time in my dad's boat, uh, he had this ski boat, right? And I was trying, I wanted to learn to do this thing called the zip sled is a big blue plastic thing that uh, would be pulled behind a boat on a rope. And I wanted to do this. And the, the lake was deep. And I'm standing on the edge of the boat. Again, my mother is hovering out there in the water. And she's saying, you can come. It's okay. I can't see the bottom. I've got my big puffy 
you know, orange life jacket on, um, and I'm on the edge of the boat, and I'm thinking about it. I'm kind of scared. I don't know if there's like a giant monster squid out there or uh, maybe a shark in my mind's eye, but she said, you can come. Come on, baby. Just step out of the boat. You can do it. And I stepped out of the boat and she put me on the zip sled and the boat pulled me around the lake and I had the adventure of a lifetime to fulfill my little man risk on the inside that I needed at that time of my life. Um, But here's the deal. As Jesus calls you to take that one step out of the boat, you know what happens? You have to leave something behind in the boat. Remember when Peter stepped out of the boat His friends were left in the boat, weren't they? The disciples, they weren't bad guys. But see, to get out to where Jesus is, you have to leave something behind in the boat as he calls you out by faith. And there are people and things in our lives today that need to be left back in the boat. And men, if you want to be where Jesus is, you have to leave fear in the boat and just take one small step out to him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Men, you have to leave porn back in the boat and take one small step of allowing someone to put that accountability software on your mobile devices and on your computer to keep from looking at that crap, okay? You have to leave some of your play pals behind that are associated with your addiction because they're going to lead you back towards your addiction. And then You take one small step into new friendships and relationships, or you leave that addiction in the boat, and you take one small step into a meeting where they're going to show you 12 more steps in order to get free from that addiction. You know, you leave that laziness that leads towards poverty in your life in that boat and take one small step to fill out a job application so that you can get a job and pay your bills. You leave that mistress in the boat that mistress that is going to lead to the destruction of your marriage and your life and going to cause your kids to disrespect you in the future years because you cheated on their mom. You leave her in the boat. And I know she feels like a comfort blanket right now, but she is not stepped out of Jesus says, you can trust me. I know it feels so good right now. You can trust me, mijo. Come step out of the boat. You have to leave machismo and pride that causes you to not admit your faults in the boat to step out and be with him. It just takes one small step. Now, you know why Peter was willing to step out of that boat to Jesus? Because over time, Jesus had shown him that he was trustworthy. Jesus had showed him many convincing proofs that he could be trusted, see? And that leads to the next thought I want to show you regarding faith is that faith calls you to proof, to proof. It's not a blind leap into nothingness. Look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us, what's that word? Proof of what we cannot see. Remember, we've said faith is not some blind leap into the darkness. It requires proof. See, some of you who have never believed in God or Jesus you've seen these Christians that never really thought through what they believe. We don't encourage that none thinking here. Now, if you don't believe in God, you've got some proving to do as well, just like those who have perhaps grown up in church and chosen to believe. Um, But everyone has faith in something, don't they? And I got to thinking about this recently because this past summer, I went to a doctor. And you know what? I went to a doctor that I never checked into. I didn't 
look at his reviews. I didn't uh, look into his credentials or any of that. And so I go to a doctor that I don't know that I just put my faith in him. And then I go there and he prescribes me something. He writes it on a prescription that I can't read. I don't understand what that is. And then I take it over to a pharmacy and give it to a pharmacist, someone I don't know. And this dude is like mixing these chemical compounds together and he puts it in a little capsule. And by faith, I just take it. Well, you know what? It didn't work. It didn't help me. You know what I had to do? I had to get online. I had to do my own research and look into it. And I found something over the counter that actually helped me. Why'd I put my faith in that doctor? There are a lot of good docs out there. There are a lot of wing nuts out there as well. And you know what? Why would we not look into something so critical in our lives? And even more critical, why would we not look for the proofs of our faith? If you've grown up in church, why wouldn't you want to read it, study it, research it to know if it's legit and for real? If you've never believed, you also have to give yourself permission to doubt your doubts. Faith is not just leaping into nothingness. You need proof. And look, that was the case with a guy named Mark Clark. I really like Mark. He was raised an atheist to believe that there was no God. His, his dad wouldn't allow him to have a Bible in the home. His dad would never allow him to go to church because he didn't want God in his home. In fact, Mark's older brother's name is Matthew. And the dad spelled Matthew with one T because he didn't want it spelled like the Matthew in the Bible. And then he had Mark. He may as well have had two more sons named Luke and John. I don't think he knew what was going on there, you know? So he grew up, Mark grew up in this environment where he thought there are smart people and there are dumb people. I mean, there are these smart people that go to university and they understand literature and science and history and archaeology and all this stuff. And then there are dumb people and the dumb people are kind of the Christian people is what he was led to believe. And so Mark thought that all Christians were like, you know, these mean old ladies that wear those denim long dresses, you know, where they embroider like a pumpkin on it, you know, and they make their own butter and all this kind of stuff. This is what he thought of Christians. And then Mark started doing his investigation there. He looked at Christianity from a scientific, historical, and philosophical perspective. And what he came to believe is that the Christian biblical worldview actually makes more logical sense than his atheist worldview. And now Mark is a pastor in Canada. And what changed for him is that he had spent all his time in a garage with all his friends just smoking weed and getting high. And since he changed and he'd done this research, he went back to the garage with his friends and he's presenting all these truths. And even though he's not smoking weed, he's probably getting hot boxed there and wanting to eat some Cheetos in the midst of it. But he was motivated to write down all his research in a book called The Problem of God that's a really great book. And in that book, he references an angry atheist, Quentin Smith, who was angry about all the Christians in academia and in college life nowadays. And he said, the field of philosophy is being de-secularized across universities in America. And he said that as if it's a bad thing because he doesn't like that there are so many people who believe in God and believe in Jesus in philosophy departments all over the country and all over the world. And you know why it's happened? Because of one man, Alvin Plantinga. Alvin Plantinga is known now as the greatest living philosopher on the entire planet. And Alvin Plantinga is a Christ follower. And then, so what Mark had to come to terms with, Christians are not like these stupid people in the swamp, like the water boy's mom that thinks that Oprah and everything else is of the devil. 
But he saw that as he did his research, no, real Christians are more like John Pokinghorn, physicist at Cambridge who follows Christ. Or real Christians are more like John Lennox, mathematician at Oxford. Or real Christians are more like Francis Collins, who mapped out the entire human genome and wrote a book called The Language of God, because as he got deeper into the science, he saw that human DNA points more to a creator, a designer, God, and he came to faith in Christ. So Mark, after he did his homework, he had an experience with Christ. You know, We started today talking about Neil Armstrong, astronaut. And I want to kind of wrap up with Neil Armstrong as well. Because Neil Armstrong, once he got back from the moon, uh, he wanted to visit some different places around the world. He went to Jerusalem to see the holy sites and the archaeological digs and all of that. And he went to the temple steps. And as he went to those steps, he asked the scholar, the archaeologist who was guiding the tour Um, are these steps literally the steps where Jesus walked? And the man said, yes, they are. Jesus would have walked right here on these steps. And here's what Neil Armstrong said. I have to tell you, I'm more excited about stepping on these stones than when I was stepping on the moon. And you know why he said that? Because he had had an experience with a living and risen Jesus. See, And my first trip to the Holy Land was some years ago, and Jeannie and I went. And so I wanted to show you a picture of my smoking hot wife standing on the temple steps. And the steps above her are man-made later, but the ones that she's actually standing on are literally the temple steps that Jesus would have walked on. And I reflected on my emotions related to that experience of going to that site I was a little bit emotional, but it wasn't like this, like real ooey gooey gushy emotion, but it was more like, no, this is tangible. This is archaeology. This is real. This is history. This is not fairy tale stuff that someone made up in a little book like the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus or something. Sorry, I did that, parents. Uh, But this is not like made up stuff. That just totally slipped out. Um, And send your cards and letters to humby.severa at city.church there. But look, I realized standing on that site This is something completely legit and for real that happened in history, see? And there are rational people all over this room who have looked at the proofs, who've looked reasonably philosophy, science in every which way and have made rational decisions and choices to choose to take a small step of faith and believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and you can do the same. And you know what? You got to think through it, but there's a heart component as well. And there is a loving God, and I don't know how he does this. It just constantly blows my mind. But he touches people's hearts today. It's an amazing miracle when he touches a human heart and changes it. And some of you sense love right now. And you're like, what the? I'm interested. I experience love. And there's a loving presence drawing you. And you know what the loving presence is saying? Mijo, mija, you can trust me. Just take a step. Come, I love you, little one, come. And much of your life has been leading up to these moments right now. Would you join me in prayer? And as we talk to him for just a minute, 
if you're sensing that loving presence drawing you to a relationship with God, maybe you just want to talk to him through prayer in your head, you know, and just say to him, look, God, I know I've sinned. That is clear. But the best I know how right now, I choose to take a step of faith and believe that Jesus Christ literally and historically died on the cross for my sin to take my punishment there on the cross. And God, I welcome you into my life. Thank you for coming in. As we continue in prayer, perhaps there are others of us that have known Christ for some time, maybe a short time, maybe a long time, but it's like God by his spirit is saying, son, daughter, you know that thing that I'm bringing to your mind right now, that relationship or that habit? Would you just leave it in the boat today? Leave it in the boat and step out to me because I want to give you an experience that will blow your mind. Leave the habit. Break off that wrong relationship and step out of the boat today, son, daughter. Mijo, mija, come. Trust me, is what he says. Thank you, God, for your kindness to us. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.